0: Welcome to Desert Isolation Discs, the show in which, in a cheekily familiar format, we ask people to share the music that they love the most. Thank you so much for listening, it's really appreciated. And if you're interested in appearing on the show, do drop me a line. I'm so pleased to be able to introduce James Heather. As communications boss at South London independent record label Ninja Tune, he's in charge of ensuring as many people hear the label's incredible roster roster of artists as possible. He's worked with the likes of Bonobo, Cinematic Orchestra and Roots Maneuver, the list goes on and on. And it's really impressive how Ninja has grown while he's been there, uh, from just a handful of people in South London office to having operations either side of the Atlantic and being one of the most respected imprints of this generation. Over the podcast we'll discuss Ninja's impact on his life, stepping into his artist's shoes and sharing his own excellent piano compositions, one of which is playing now, and his stints on watch for Somali pirates and playing drum and bass gigs in old people's homes. So without further ado, here it is. Yes, yeah, so James, uh, fantastic to be able to sit in a pub with you over a pint and talk about music. I can't think of anything better to do with an afternoon. Thank you for being a guest on Desert Isolation Discs. Um, Thank you. Real pleasure. Um, I can only imagine the turmoil that you went through to put together a list like this.
1: It, it took a long time. Yep. Yeah. It took, it took a long time, and I, I do like, like many people, I think, a lot of styles. But um, I, got there, I got there in the end, and I think it's a good overview. Yeah. Of, but I'm still not happy with it. <laughs> it's not my eight best songs. Mm. It's eight songs, I think, you know, are important. To me, and just yes. to, to signpost a, a life.
0: What's the first a, signpost on that journey for you?
1: Then? It's Beethoven, piano sonata number eight in C minor. Pathetique, I think that's how you uh, pronounce it. Mm. The Grave Allegro. It's one of my earliest memories of listening to music. Mm. So it would have been um, roughly 1991. Mm. So I would have been 11. Yeah. And I just, I remember just listening to it actually, kind of through the night, Mm. you know. So in the middle of the night, I'd Mm. I'd listen to his piano sonatas. And then I I think from that time, I just, it was a great composer's magazine. It was like a series of magazines that came out every month Mm -hmm. about a different composer. Yeah. And it was also about their life stories. It was quite a human human stories of each composer and I think that's why I got my interest beyond the music there's always a story yeah. he started to go deaf shortly after writing this song at 27 mm. and eventually retreated into into the countryside yeah. because he didn't want it imagine being a composer and, and deaf it's kind of possibly embarrassing, you don't want people to know mm. and uh, so he retreated and he wrote even more great works but um, yeah, I, I just find that very interesting. Eventually he came back yeah. and integrated with society again. Yeah. You sound
0: like a very sophisticated 11-year-old. Well, <laughs> what, what was the 11-year-old... I mean,
1: I did, right? I did listen to a lot of shit as well. <laughs> but obviously I'm trying to <laughs> what, trying, what to, trying to put off across a good side of... <laughs> you know, I'm to, a good... A good Polished to what I listen to. I also listen to things like um, Mel and Kim and Pre Sprout and. I can. Uh, I mean, that, that's not shit. And anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what, what were you doing at that time? Were you, uh, where did you live and, and grow up?
1: And... So that was in um, a place called Highfield in Southampton. Mm. So um, yeah, it's uh, we, we lived near the university. Mm-hmm. It's quite a peaceful, happy. Upbringing.
0: Well, let's, let's have a cast into your 11-year-old loves and uh, listen to his then. for the uninitiated what do you do at Ninja Tunes one of the most amazing labels in the country Uh, (laughs) sounds like a good good
1: gig Um, I guess my title is head of communication Mm. Um, I started off doing press and Mm. I still do press Um, but I get you know communicating music to the public isn't just press obviously Mm. There's, there's different elements to it so some of my I'm part of the marketing team yeah I oversee the social media, and yeah. started, when that started in 2006, so I was, you know, helping out on that side of things, and yeah. so much more, but essentially communications.
0: I mean, for, you know, for people who are lucky enough not to be inside the media bubble, that they probably don't really understand how that works, though. but you, you have to essentially tell... Um, Big journalists like me, when a great piece of music (laughs) is about to arrive, and why they should be interested in it, and I mean, how do you communicate what it sounds like? It's
1: incredibly hard. You're telling stories, really. You're Mm. you're getting the piece of, you know, in the main, we're promoting albums. Mm. Obviously, it could be live shows or it could be something more art. But you're you're communicating that on behalf of the artist Mm. to the industry, and rather than just give it to them in a in a dry way or you're telling, you're trying to find the interesting stories behind it. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully with credibility, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah so what's your second choice?
1: I can remember, I was in my, in my back garden, and in my next door neighbour's house, upstairs, a window was open, and there was like this sort of booming music mm. coming out really loud, and quite a lot of sort of rowdy characters in the room. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? I found it interesting, you know. And I knew my of neighbours at that point, but it wasn't until I was, like, 13 I became sort of friends with them. They are a bit older than me, Mm. three years and five years older. Mm. You know, great friends to this day, Matt and Andy. But um, basically, Matt was running a pirate radio station from his bedroom. And I remember going through, you know, his crates. Yeah. You know, because he used to run this pirate radio station and there was a lot of um, Apex went in there. Yeah, and Didgeridoo is one that I really sort of picked up on and, um, and it was live in Cornwall. So the track, yeah, Apex were in Didgeridoo live in Cornwall, 1990. Yeah. Um, and just that, like being 12, 13, just obviously I can't go to a rave on a beach no. at, in Cornwall when I'm that age, but you can imagine people doing it. Absolutely. And, and that makes, uh, it's quite romantic in a way. He was asked by his mates who were doing these after parties on the beach in Cornwall to do a track that would basically finish everyone off yeah just like you know do a track where they can't dance anymore at the end so it's just this real you know intense didgeridoo just going for like five minutes and everyone at the end just goes home
0: Apex twin. Thank you very much for that, James. Fantastic. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about Ninja Tunes? How, how has it evolved since you've been there? We're just up the road from the house that Ninja built itself, uh, in Kennington, South London, um, which is obviously the spiritual and actual home oh, of Ninja it's not, it's
1: not been the same since you left as an intern, really. No, I mean, it's, 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 I've, it's I've lost a... a lot
0: of hair since then, Jim. <laughs> yeah, saying. since you left as
1: an intern, <laughs> it's just gone down, you know it's uh,
0: <laughs> 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 but you yourself started the same route.
1: yeah mm. yeah so I started in I believe it was January 2003 mm. as work experience um, while I was uh, so you were
0: a fan of Cold Cut and all the guys DJ Food and all the guys who made that oh yeah label, what it was yeah was I mean
1: it? I remember um, when I was applying to, to labels I applied to maybe 8 8 to 10 labels and I maybe as a lot of people do mm. at that age, but mm. I just went through my CD collection and I think I was actually quite surprised at the time. I was like, so many of these artists are from Ninja Tune and I didn't necessarily mm. know the label. I mm. knew the artists, whereas now I'm fascinated by labels. <laughs> I mean, I've been um, writing for the student paper. I'd interviewed um, Roots Benova, fairly... Uh, Recently, yeah, and I've just done work experience at Enemy and Mojo, mm. so I I put all that you know I put photocopies and
0: and Rodman must have been you know a pretty prestigious interview to get at, at that yeah twenty one twenty two
1: yeah I interviewed him backstage at the Concord too and mm-hmm. obviously right. like I promote him now and yeah so it's a big part he of, remembers the interview.
0: With
1: fondness, I presume. Oh, yeah, very <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> 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 much, much fondness. We, we, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think I was still at uni and I did one, one or two days a week mm-hmm. to travel down on the um, 243 bus from mm-hmm. Tottenham yeah. all the way down to Kennington. I think I remember listening to All Things to All Men with mm. Cinematic Orchestra yeah. featuring Rita Nuva on the bus on that journey. So... And then while I was doing work experience, I was asked to go on tour Mm. with the band, Mm. doing the merch desk in Europe for a week, when I was supposed to be doing my dissertation. So... (laughs) So then I became, you know, friendly with the band. And, yeah, and I'd set up the merch desk, and I'd I'd get the band to sign the Ninja Tune Rizzler. Yeah. And then sell them off for more money. (laughs) And, you know... Quality merch. The band joked I made (laughs) more than them, but I didn't, didn't obviously. But, um... (laughs) You know, I was sort of... You know what you're like in your early 20s. You're just sort of super keen and mm. you just... You know, you just want to make the most of every opportunity. And yeah. that's what was going on then, really. And mm. then when I finished uni, I was, I was going to run for student... You know, the editor of the paper. Yeah. But then Ninja offered me, like, a press assistant role. Mm. And I was like, oh, I didn't know what to do. And I'm in an errand. But, I mean, obviously I had to take the Ninja... Yeah. The ninja thing.
0: So what's the third piece of music you've got?
1: Yeah, so the third piece of music is, uh, from 1994, it's Diggable Planets, Jetting. I mean, this is just a podcast, a big up my friend Matt, really, because, <laughs> because also he introduced me to, to this track. I remember one day he, he he had some Christmas money or something. He said, we're yeah. going um, CD shopping. Yeah. So I accompanied him, and he was pulling out all these CDs, and I didn't know, you know, they were... I don't know and he was getting a lot of hip hop and one of them was um, the first Fuji's album before mm. they got big yeah. I think there was a grey Diggers album and one of them was Diggable Planets <clears throat> Diggable Planets is something that you know I still listen to to this day mm. it had Guru from Gangstar on it mm. and it's got that sort of jazz yeah. jazz funk side to it mm. and I think it's a precursor to a lot of the music I got into such as Jurassic 5 mm-hmm. and DJ Shadow it gave me a yeah. bit of a Backstory context to that scene that came a bit later. Yes, I mean at this time I was really into grunge. Mm. You know, I was sort of an angsty fourteen-year-old, and I was really into sort of rock and. How long was your so, hair then? So I had. I mean, I used to cut my own hair. Sometimes I dyed it blue, blonde. <laughs> I had, you know, it was. It was I, you know, it I looked blue. like I looked <laughs> like an Edwardian poet or something. <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> I bite, like. Like, like Lord Byron or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I hadn't found my, um, you know, I was slightly geeky, hadn't found.
0: No, I wasn't comfortable yet, and I was it. into
1: sort of Nirvana and all this stuff. And yeah, Diggable Planets was um, had a bit of funk to it, you know? And yeah. It's something that I think is very timeless.
0: We jetting up, we jetting, we jetting downtown We jetting, we jetting, we jetting, we jetting across town We jetting, we jetting, we jetting, we jetting downtown We jetting downtown, we jetting across town We jetting all around, no wonder, no wonder Ain't funny, ain't funny, so I live Brooklyn like here, 24th shore, soo, see no In my tennis skirt and the kick hurts so good
1: back I place you on the dyno, my ride. Right, the creamette this came in to get it right. The means, oh, Almighty Allah, the green power. Let loose for the hour, I chose the black power Extra fly joy from marker to yellow paper And you know I don't delay Together with my honey, like silk and so We grow and take you back to like afros And no quitting or getting jumped by the system It's all day, all play, got herbs and such And cuts and crew, no blue eyes to emulate Some straight, but yeah, we straight up Fuckin'
0: Obviously, the music industry has changed so much during the time that you've been working at Ninja. Do Do you think that need that the, the curation that labels give you, when there is so much swamping, music fans online, uh, yeah. you know, is one of the most important things that an independent label can really yeah. offer?
1: Yeah, you know, you do look to labels to funnel. See so if you yeah. like the last three albums the label's done. Yeah, you might take a punt on the fourth. So. How um, so I think labels are, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to, tr- to trust labels, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, and Ninja is one of the ones that people really do trust. Is there a um, particular sort of culture instilled by the Coldcut guys? You know, when you think about the, you know, the suits that are usually at the top of the companies that I've ever worked for, I can imagine it's very yeah. different. Well, they're not. <laughs> I mean, Coldcut
1: obviously aren't suits. Mm. <laughs> um, very much not. More, more, so, by hats. Mm-hmm. No, I mean. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Of, you feel a lot of freedom there, really. You mm. do. You...
0: I, I suppose people would probably imagine that that you guys. Get the decks out every uh, every Tuesday night, but uh, <laughs> it's um, well, um, <laughs> the, the,
1: there's there's two floors in Ninja. Mm. I think I think the downstairs floor they they have a bit more fun. <laughs>
0: they crank it yeah. up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more, more questionable music taste. I'm with you. I'm, more questionable I'm, music <laughs> taste, but um, you know, more fun. But. Yeah.
0: So what's uh, what's your fourth choice? Uh, you've got four choices.
1: Yeah. So the fourth choice because I realised it. Basically, 90% of what I listened to in my early teens was rock music. Mm. But um, a lot of it hasn't aged that well, in my opinion. Um, but I, so I've chosen Therapy, Teeth Grinder, uh, for a few reasons. It's not necessarily my best song, but there's a few things to, to say around it. But yeah. I loved Metallica mm. and Nirvana. They were my big two. Metallica at first... I wanted to go to the Milton Keynes stadium show, but I was too young, really. <laughs> and um, I bought a box set, 100 quid. It's a lot of money to a 13-year-old. And Nirvana, I used to listen to Bleach on the way to school. Um, and my dad bought Nevermind in 91. So I was, <laughs> but that's just too obvious, really, to talk about. So, um, yeah, I chose Therapy Teeth Grinder because um, it's got that link to punk. My dad was working at a local venue. Mm. Uh, called the Brook, which put on a lot of tribute bands, but also like the Stranglers came down and yeah. they did a did a gig and and my dad's friend was a. Did so
0: your dad used to take you along? Or?
1: Yeah, well he worked on the door. Mm. He was like a doorman. There. Yeah. Um, so you could definitely get him. Yeah, I mean, I, later on I worked at the bar, but and my brother was like playing blues, he was in blues guitar bands yeah. with one of the guys that went on to be in an indie band called Delays.
0: Ah, oh, I remember that. So, yeah. you know, this
1: is the 90s era, so I was, went to school with Delays.
2: Ah. And,
1: um, and my brother knew the drummer from Coldplay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know Will from Coldplay from back in the day. I see. So I was very yeah. much in that sort of, it's a yeah. different era, you know? And, um, and my dad's friend was, uh, I don't know if he was a professional photographer. Yeah. Too young to realise, really, but he was, he had, he had, he had cameras and he used to he used to go and meet the acts when they came to Southampton yeah. so I started to go along with him on occasion mm. so um, and I met therapy I met him at the Guildhall mm. and that was around Trouble Gum which yeah. was obviously their big album still yeah. to this day I think but Teeth Grinder was from Nurse the first album which was a bit more uh, my friends always joke I only like Underground and not pop, but that was like, like their like Nirvana's Bleach to Nevermind. I see, like, yeah. The therapy's Nurse the to rams it up, yeah. trouble them, and mm-hmm. it's just like this, a bit like Didgeridoo. It's just like one riff, and it's, but yeah. um, it's, it, you know, I think it's very credible. And um, and I met loads of people. I met uh, I met Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher mm-hmm. as a 13 year old in my school uniform. My uh, dad's friend said, "I'm going to go meet Oasis. Do you want to come?"
0: Yeah,
1: I am still a weird mix of shyness now, but. I didn't sort... I was just observing. Yeah. You know, observing, really. Mm -hmm. I was with my older brother and my dad's friend. Mm. But I remember I met um, Hugh Hall, Mm. the um, Strangler's singer. Yeah. BB King. Wow. Yeah, my brother and dad are really, like, blues uh, obsessives. Yeah, that's why I put therapy in, just because at that time I was sort of... I wasn't personally meeting these people, but I was just tagging along. And seeing these sort of famous people and getting a, a maybe that rubbed off on me in some way.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's have a listen to Therapy then. Uh, so it's, it's a great excuse for a fantastic man. Away from Ninja, yeah. you, um, you actually make your own music. You're, you're a pianist, a tantrum pianist. And, uh, I mean, how's that? You, you mentioned you you can be shy. How has it been sort of stepping out from, you know, behind your own acts yeah, that I you tend to, I tend to
1: get shy and not do things where I should probably just trust my instinct <laughs> and do it. And that's what I'm trying to do recently by playing out a bit more and sharing the tracks mm. a bit more. But essentially, like, just after... Listening to his Beethoven tracks, I started learning the piano. I went to traditional lessons and did all mm-hmm. the grades mm-hmm. up to about six or seven. When I, mm-hmm. I gave up the grades, but my granddad taught me composition.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, skill. I don't know how he knew it, but I mean, my granddad used to take apart the piano. <laughs> yeah. And put it back together with different tuning methods. Wow. <laughs> so like I was like, and we'd sit there like writing down like stats on different frequencies of sound on taking the piano apart. It's like, I didn't get it, but... He was serious, wow. <laughs> It made me think that you don't have to do traditional grades. But mm. I did them reluctantly mm. for a while, and that gave me a sort of... Um, a start. Yeah. And then my, bro- uh, my dad's friend taught me blues piano, and my gran played the piano in a kind of dreamy, Debussy-style way, but mm. she wasn't as good as my granddad, but she had a distinctive style, which is definitely in my style today, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I played in, like, school talent competitions when I was 11 and 12. Yeah. Always my own competitions. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I went to my traditional lessons, I used to say at the beginning to the teacher, can I play my own song for 10 minutes and can you tell me what you think? Mm. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to play my own song to the teacher. She was like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. Let's get on with the, you know, let's, you know shut up, James, just get on. <laughs> but... Um, and I, I went on a tour of Austria with the school at 13. Mm. Uh, well, I played in between the orchestra, right. but with my mate who did drum and bass. Oh, wow. So I played a piano over drum and bass, and we were going around, like, o- OAP homes in, in Austria, which was, like, kind of mental, when you think about what
0: it. What was their response to
1: that? I can't even imagine. I was, like, 13, and it's really cold, and, like, Salzburg and stuff.
0: You probably interrupted the Austrian version <laughs> of Countdown.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, we did, like, five gigs in four days, and we were, like, played two tracks in the middle of the orchestra as the interval.
2: Yeah.
1: And, like, my mate just doing all this, like, pesce sort of drum and bass and, like, Mickey Finn and, like and me doing all this yeah. classical piano and... Um, and then I kind of came to uni and I only had my keyboard at uni. Mm. And I had a massive amp and it was just a hassle getting it anywhere. And then yeah. and when I got my job at Ninja, I got a bit shyer with my own music because I was around, you know, mm. well, hopefully proper talent. And and I got a bit... I just carried it on in the background. And, yeah. you know, I always, always composed and just did it, really. But I was happy not to do it live. It yeah. seemed like too much... I just wanted to focus on my job and... Um,
0: but how have you found playing live? Because you, you've been involved with Sofa Sound. Yeah, I got
1: asked to do a gig a few weeks ago and it, it, it went well. I was nervous, but it went OK and I'm really playing more than I ever have and, mm. and pushing the composition levels. And now I've been sharing my music. And like, it's an insight into my artist's frame yeah. of mind and how they are sometimes, you know, sensitive about certain things or... Mm. Because it, it can be hard, like... It's a very vulnerable position. Yeah, you're put putting your, yourself out there and... Yourself. So uh, can
0: you tell us about your next song,
1: then? Yeah, so the next song is um, DJ Shadow, Building Steam with a Grain of Salt. Mm. Yeah, from uh, introducing, It was a massive thing when I heard this album. Mm. Can't even begin to explain. It was um, my friend, Will Gidea, um, who I met at Taunton's College in 96. In Southampton. Yeah. I think we just all went back to his after, a, you know, a night out. Yeah. People were smoking and people were drinking and yeah. we, we just sat around and he put on um, introducing. Mm. And I, you know, it's obviously a blurry memory. It's 96, but I pretty much, I don't think I've ever gone so long about talking. Like, <laughs> I just sat, just sat there. And I don't know, we all just seemed to sit there. And at the end, we all said that was amazing, and, like, put it on again. Like, yeah. it, was, it was honestly like a, everyone sit around and listen to an album, oh, my God, we haven't heard anything like this. And so and it just opened up a, an underground world, mm. I think, for me. And then from that, I bought, about a year later, Colt album, mm. Let Us Play. And I remember opening it up in my bedroom and reading the, the mad slogans, the political slogans, and yeah. I noticed Jello by Afro was on it the Dead Kennedys who my dad had Holiday in Cambodia hmm. and all these tracks and I was thinking what the hell this is like related to DJ Shadow in some way but it's got Dead Kennedys on and yeah. oh wow you can combine all these genres I just you know I think that's what happens when you get older and you mature you realise that we aren't just in boxes and no. even genres you can guest on different genres yeah it just opened up a, a, new, a new world and um, you yeah, also had like handsome boy modelling in school yeah at a similar time oh. the track with we were uh, Roycy, Murphy Truth yeah. was, a, was a big one and yeah, Keep It Unreal was just at the time Mr Scruff everyone came home from the pub you put that and it had all the, the stupid sort of funny examples, yeah. and
2: yeah.
1: And, um, yeah and so I, I was starting to I realised something had been brewing in London I didn't know about and I liked it mm. you know and DJ Shadow had a sort of some sort of depth to it that the Ministry of Sound Dance Music didn't yeah that, you know, I'm not saying that that, I'm sure that was deep in its own way, but at the time it just seemed so c- complex, the DJ other stuff so yeah. um, I guess it was almost Pink Floyd-like in, in how he did it but just for a new drunk uh, generation.
2: From listening to records, I just knew what to do I mainly taught myself
0: and, you know, I did pretty well I said there were a few mistakes but, uh, that I made. That, uh, I have just recently cleared up
2: I'd like to just continue to be able to express myself as best as I can in history. And I feel like I have a lot of work to do still. You know, I'm a student
0: of the drums. And I'm also a teacher of the drums, too. <laughs> So, Jane, tell us about your life away from music, then, if, if, there, is, if there is what I said. I mean, you, you love football, you're a Southampton fan.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so basically, I'm as into football as I am to music, probably. Mm, mm. Um, but So I really use football to unwind. So, like, you know, I, I go to me and my mate Jack, go to... FA Cup preliminary round game every year. Yeah. Where we just pick a random London game, we're going to see like proper, not even lower than non League, something like, yeah. you know. So I go to grassroots football. I love to share mm. music. When I was making cassette tapes all the time as a kid for my mates, like, right. before I made them for girls that they didn't listen to. <laughs> but um, before I made it for girls who didn't listen to the tape, so I made it for um, mates. If you boil life down to its simplest form, mm. what I do really, you don't try not to overthink it. Essentially, I'm just doing what I did then, on a much bigger scale. I'm, I'm getting an album, I've got my contact list that I've built yeah. up over the years, yeah. and I'm thinking, who would like that? So your so next
0: th- song relates to travelling,
1: you say? Yeah, the track is... I've got no idea is how you pronounce it. Oki Sekka. <sighs> Melokon Mebun U. That isn't how you pronounce it, but that's... It
0: sounds like you've made a good go at
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, he's a 70s Ivory Coast singer. So in 2000... I went travelling, like Mm. in a, a, but not in a gap year. I left college. I didn't know I was going to uni. I became a travel agent for eighteen months. So after a year and a half, I decided I maybe I will go to uni. Mm. I don't really don't say it's a gap year. It's like a wilderness year. Wilderness (laughs) year. Yeah, and um, I decided to go to Africa for six months. I went out to South Africa, and. Did the usual backpacking thing for a few months, you know, the hostels and yeah. and then me being me got a bit bored of that and there's <laughs> gotta be something more. Yeah. There's gotta be something more to this, you know, can't, can't just be around backpackers surfing every day, doing shots, playing kitapool pool. Yeah. Like this more, more So I was like I went down to the port mm. in Richard Bay and got on a boat mm. with a French family, paid them hundred quid and said, Can you take me to um they were going to Madagascar. Yeah. So I got in this little boat. Like, yeah. no official passport being signed into the country. Yeah. And I was on the boat for a, a week, and I only had, like, a little book. I had to ration myself to 50 pages a day. Yeah, uh, because right. there wasn't much to do. Yeah. And I was doing night watches at night, looking out for pirates and boats, yeah. and you know, this is, like, just off the coast of Somalia. Yeah, you've got to keep your eyes peeled. Eventually, we saw land after seven days, and they pretty much dropped me off in this place called Moran Bay. Yeah. Which is a village in Madagascar where tourists basically never go so they dropped me off and I think I had a run with the French guy and then he went off to the reunion islands with his family and I met this guy who had really broken English from a time in the capital and he said stay with my family so I lived with this I mean they they weren't even they were just in like pants (laughs) you know it was kind of a tribe yeah you know like they did have some European clothing and I think I remember a picture of Owen on someone's wall but Mm. they were like huts and right. I stayed there for two weeks. I remember playing... Do um, you remember Quantum projects? It was like a Blackalicious DJ Shadow uh, thing. Right, yeah. I remember playing it to the locals with my um, cassette tape. <laughs> and they were all like... LAUGHTER <laughs> 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 like The benefit of the is is
0: doing the generic <laughs> DJ nodding with uh,
1: yeah. hands to the hip So, I mean, I would, <laughs> you know at night I'd be on this beat, the, Indi- the Indian Ocean in Madagascar, I'd be listening to, like, Boards of Canada and just, like... Proper travelling, and yeah. eventually I realised I obviously had to leave this village. And this family had been feeding me for two weeks, I had to pay them back somehow. So, yeah. I and there, there was lots of cholera around, and there were no roads out of the village. Yeah. And I was like, I gotta get out. And yeah, these people um, met this fisherman basically, and he agreed to take me to the major town. It would take like four days, and there was all this like uh, tribal like, drum music around the campfire at night. He yeah. slept under the sail. A proper adventure, and then eventually we got to the bigger town. I stayed with one of their cousins. Mm. I paid them all back. <laughs> they all went back. Yeah, and then I eventually met two American tourists, and then we did an overland tour of Madagascar. And then I eventually met South Africa, did an overland tour of Namibia and Botswana with thirty tourists. So yeah. that got a bit more normal again. But it made me think that. You don't always have to go down the main route. that's interesting, yes. And I think that made me even in, with music go. You know, you can go, you can go off piece, and that's absolutely fine.
0: So tell us about like, this
1: Ivorian track. Then. Yeah, so um, it's Oki my boss, John Moore from Cut, hmm. is playing it out and playing it on Solid Steel Radio and. He yeah. picked up on it, and basically you can't really Google him, and it made me think that a part of what I love about music is that mystique sometimes. And with um, Okiseka, it made me think about some artists I like, like that, like William Onyeabor.
0: Yeah, I was
1: he, just thinking of him. Yeah, the that mystery. You know. Yeah, like he did those albums always years ago, and then people are just hearing it now. Mm. Like Chandra Ritsing, yeah. the, the guy who basically used. Uh, Early 303 in his downtime in Bollywood and made like proto acid house. So it makes me think that, you know, even if you're doing stuff that people aren't appreciating now, you just gotta keep doing it because you never know.
2: Like yeah.
0: To Ninja then. I mean, I remember one of the most sort of shocking emails I've ever had, and uh, we we obviously uh, kept in, in touch while I wrote my fanzine Shadow Play and um, you know tried to put you up, for up as many Ninja big up Play. <laughs> big up Play. <laughs> tried to cover as much as many Ninja tune releases as possibly could, um, but was informed that you know you were in a road accident about two thousand eight, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, August. What, what exactly? Two thousand eight. I was just cycling back from Ninja on my, um, push bike, you know, bicycle. Yeah. And I went across Southwark Bridge as normal and I was at a traffic light and it it went green. I was, you know, in the bicycle box Mm. at the front, you know, like the green box. And I went forward and, uh, cement mixer went left, didn't see me, kept on going. There was a railing to my left. Yeah. Had no room for a manoeuvre. Basically, got dragged underneath the cement mixer. I got dragged down 20 metres of the road. Lost a lot of skin off the front of my body, and um, was awake for it all. And they took off my trousers and top, yeah. and I had blood everywhere. I think I might have even had Christmas pants on, which is obviously really embarrassing. <laughs> you they do say yeah. you have to be
0: careful, don't they? <laughs> you, don't,
1: you don't expect to be lying in the. Um, middle of the road in central London 6pm in August with Christmas pants. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Every I, experience it, has uh, to be lived. I think, I think I did. I definitely had ninja jeans that never got returned. Oh really? So, like, ninja jeans, yeah, at the time. I think yeah. They were called Igin Ninja wow. Igin jeans, I think. <laughs> but um, No, but like, all, in all seriousness, um, I couldn't talk because I had a massive hole in my jaw because I'd hit my jaw so many times on the road. So I'd, yeah. But I didn't know. So I was trying to talk but I couldn't talk and I had broke, like, you know, it's boring going through it all, but essentially I couldn't talk, and I went into shock, but I was still awake. Yeah. So I was, like, shaking a lot and some sort of shock. Mm. And then eventually got put into an induced coma for a few days. Mm. I was operated on. Woke up in Royal London Hospital. With all My my mum had flown in from... She lived in New Zealand. My brother had flown in from Austria. I woke up, like, a crowd yeah. of loved ones around me. yeah. Um, my they tell j-
0: you that you're putting... I mean, I don't know if you are conscious, but they tell you they're but going to put you... Fake
1: memory. I mean, like when, you, when you're kind of, you know, without being too blunt, like yeah. when you're dying, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was going dark from the outside in. I just remember everything going very dark. And I remember when I got into the hospital, it was going very dark. Mm. And I could still sort of focus on someone above my head. who was putting something over my head saying, I'm going to put you to sleep now. And then I woke up and my dad was like, doing a few jokes when I woke up about my fantasy football team. Oh, I made a transfer in your fantasy book to see if I still... Oh, I see.
0: That's how you to wake up. To see if I still, <laughs> oh, I uh, if I still had my yeah.
1: brain. And, and then I, I could only write things down, but one of the first things I wrote was... I can't remember what I wrote, but... Did you
0: say, yes, it, hands
1: off my striker, yeah. don't, t- hands don't off, change my captain? Hands off Leon Osman. <laughs> but um, <laughs> 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 but um, essentially it was... They, everyone realised that my brain was probably okay. I was d- showing that I could communicate with writing. Yeah. And, re- and when, you know, it was a hairy, hairy few weeks. And, but eventually I got better. Yeah. And I didn't lose any limbs. Um, just bend fingers and scars and metal jaws. But essentially I, I look fairly normal. You know, it makes, it's cheesy, but it makes you stronger. Because I lived and you, re- you do realise after a while how lucky you were.
0: So the next next song was sort
1: of from around that time yeah no it definitely from that time I remember it was like it was November 2008 I would just gone back part time and it was raining outside and it was a weird time you know I didn't know it was just odd being back and hmm. I remember getting an email from Will Ashen who set up Big Dada yeah saying check this demo out Speech to Bell mm-hmm. and, sure. and gave me the album and I remember like listening to it and I just remember being Connecting with it so strongly, mm. and just just thinking, thank God I'm connecting to this. Like it's like I can I can do this again. I can pick up my career. Eventually, I took it on in January, and when we did the first proper single, um, which is Better Days, which is the track Speech to Bell Better Days featuring mm. um, the legend, that it's Mikachu. Yeah. But um, and I remember just listening to that track for the first time. I felt I could just listen to it on loop forever. That. Just the whole loop of the produced by a guy called Plutonic Lab in Australia. Mm. Haven't really heard from since. Mm. Um, I don't know too much about how it came together because I wasn't around when it was coming together. But I could just listen to that production on loop. It's just, I guess, it's related to Digable Planets. It's that whole jazz funk live yeah. instrumentation, but but also the, the better days. The, mm. the the subject of the lyrics seem to. Like, mean a lot to me at the time. and obviously, yeah. she won the Mercury and she had her, you know, challenges with the media. And yeah, me and Speech had a great few years. I, I was such a, f- a fan of fan of the music and it went so well for a while. And then, yeah. uh, and I'll always sort of, you know, I think, especially in London and music, people are always into the latest. There's so much music and it moves yeah. around the fads. And, you know, it may be not cool to say you like something from a few years ago you've got to like the latest hit thing and yeah but i'll 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 always stand by that speech to bell record it's quality Mm. and she did a second album for ninja and that was wicked really well received Mm. i mean just at the end of the day it didn't go top 10 yeah you know you can't tell the public what to buy no but i think there's a there's a definite quality to her and you know she's precocious but some (laughs) of some of of the 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 most interesting (laughs) artists are
2: savings every day Although it's hard to save when you're getting low pay I stop shorting so my days are kind of quiet I quite like it They're less violent with less liars i put in extra effort change up the gear on them I got the cells up and I'm steering them I'm staying clear with them Yeah, you know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about. It's about. unnecessary for the name to leave my mouth hey. Look, words of power so I manifest a form Everything I think is what I thought And everything I thought is what I feel Everything I feel is who I am A woman with nothing's Yeah, I got a half cup of hope and I'm slipping slow No more standing on that road That shit is old I got no time for time, wasting time It's precious, I only got time for studio sessions now
0: So James, we're on your final track. Uh, I want to ask you. You know, we we catapult you out into the desert for this podcast. Um, Is it the
1: same desert island as Desert Island
0: No, we we we're putting you uh, slightly less hospitable. We, we put you in the desert, but we do give you instead of the Bible, complete work, work Shakespeare. A little bit hackneyed, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. We give you the full Red Dwarf box set and uh, the Tiger Who Came to Tea, and, and we allow you to have another. Is that including the
1: last few series of Red Dwarf, you can keep them. I mean,
0: yeah, it, <laughs> it is and optional. That weird Especially coronation. The, one for Dane. the Coronation
1: yeah. Street one was a yeah, bit. Yeah, that odd, was wasn't it? that was hard, wasn't yeah. it? That
0: really was. Yeah. Um, but we uh, we also afford you another luxury item. Um, what would you fancy?
1: Football Manager mobile. Oh, okay, yeah, that gets w- quite uh, gets quite addicted.
0: That
2: would while away the hours. So day. if I had um,
1: <laughs> Football Manager mobile with a battery that never ran out. Yeah. Um, one that somehow synced into England with the current seat, C- the mm-hmm. the right players for every year. Yes,
0: you know we're so, playing with regen players. And uh, how do you think you'd cope, uh, Cass, are you quite are you quite a practical, dexterous
1: person. I'd probably worry a lot for the beginning. Yeah. Um, as I do, but then be absolutely fine <laughs> once I, you know, got my systems, my routines. Yeah. yeah. Breakfast at this time, going. You know, I mean, I'm vegetarian, but going catch some tofu another mm-hmm. time. Like, <laughs> uh, I'd probably be all right.
0: So what's your final choice that you've got for us?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's many... I mean, Speech to Bell's on Big Data, but there's many Ninja Gnats, which are... I mean, it's just so hard. There's Almond Hovind, there's Bonovo. I love them all. But, <laughs> um, but Cinematic Orchestra, yeah. I think, just because I mean, they're so standalone and brilliant. But also I went on tour with them when I first started in ninja... Um, I'm still working with them to this day. So, um, and also, I've chosen a track which technically wasn't on Ninja; it was on Disney. It was from one of their the Crimson Wing film soundtrack. Oh, right. cinematic have been there for a long, a long time for me. So when I started at Ninja, my brother is obsessed by them. He went to see them twice recently, and he doesn't work in music, mm. but um, he he's a massive cinematic orchestra fan, and yeah. Um, my partner loves Cinematic Orchestra and whenever I go to see them with her and the, the track Breathe comes on yeah. it's just a, a feeling of like unity mm. and it's just they're a very spiritual spiritual band I think mm. that you know beyond genre and a lot of depth to it and um, people I love seem to love them as well whereas a, you know, sometimes I promote music, no one knows what it is. But, uh, you know, in terms of family, this is Arrival of the Birds, is yeah. the track name. It's quite, um, you know, very melodic. It's just incredibly emotive in the way that, you know, Cinematic Orchestra, one of the best at it, just getting to the core, yeah. the core of some, something in you. Yeah. And that's why I've chosen it. And also because I went to see Theory of Everything mm. with um, my partner recently, the song came on at the end as the last scene mm. and I had no idea like possibly I'd missed an email <laughs> <laughs> possibly, but also it was on Disney that album
0: I heard you blustered it out so, yes. yes of course I organised yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: so it was you know I think sometimes in our jobs you know mm. you kind of feel like you know everything before it's happened because you get the press releases mm. or the, the embargo shit yes. and you know you can't say this you know like, it kind yeah. of takes a surprise out of life mm. you know but I was just sat there watching it, and you know, especially as my partner loves the band, and then it came on, I was like, <laughs>
0: like you know, and
1: I was genuinely, genuinely excited. Thanks so much. Yeah, for it's, um, this, I think uh, we'll let
0: Cinematic Orchestra play us out, but it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's an honour. Uh, thank you to <laughs> listeners for, for joining us, and uh, do join us again next time. That's
1: thank a thank great. you so thank much. You,